0: From KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Shuck. Spirituality, social justice, sex, science. At Progressive Spirit, we stick out our thumb and see where the road takes us. My guest has done the same thing. His name is Steve Thiem, and he's completed a book over 30 years in the making. It's his story of hitchhiking across the country, engaging in adventures, discovering a few things about life and about himself. His book is Asphalt Asylum, The Dark Roads to Light, and Steve is in the KBOO studio to talk about it. Welcome, Steve, to Progressive Spirit.
1: Well, thanks for having me, John. It's an honor to be on here.
0: This is, is quite a story. It's a story uh, that about a hitchhiking adventure that you took when you were a teenager, 19, 19 right. and 20, mm-hmm. quite a while ago not that long ago quite a while ago (laughs) (laughs) 1978 1978 so tell me uh tell me first a little bit about the trip um how how did you happen to
1: make that decision to do that sure the decision uh in retrospect one could say it was utterly irresponsible and uh a snap decision but really it was some time in the making um i'd been having a a, a difficult time attending university of washington had had i guess the the term is a dysfunctional family life to some degree and just uh, resentment was building up uh in myself and i saw eventually it got to the point where i started to resent the resentment which hmm. became a self-feeding sickness if you will and uh felt I really needed to, to do something and being young with no money, you know, I'm not going to go to a counselor or something like that. And my answer was, I'm going to hitchhike um, because I know that is a dramatic departure from where I am. And I wanted a dr- dramatic departure from where I was.
0: And you went as far away geographically as you possibly could go from Seattle, Washington.
1: Right. I ended up in Key West uh-huh. by no plan or design, but uh, originally I, I uh, told my family I was heading south, and when I hit Key West, south ran out. Uh, you know, it's a gigantic dead end in one sense. And uh, and so I stayed there for a number of weeks, um, had a number of adventures there, and uh but yeah, it's it literally uh, you know, that's about as far from Seattle as you can get and still be in the continental US.
0: You went geographically, but that's also somewhat metaphorically. You needed to mm-hmm. get away from your experience and how far can you go? So so tell us a little bit about that. What were you getting away from as you're looking back on it? Right. In in one sense
1: I was getting away from myself, mm-hmm. which is a typically an unsuccessful endeavor. Um in another sense, I was just getting physically getting away from the environment, from school, from my family, from my friends, and and uh, from everyone to go. I hate to say the word "find myself," but to go and um, experience a broader world. I just wanted to see more people. Being at the UW, by and large, folks are the same age. They're roughly come from the same uh, socioeconomic background and it was just too homogenous and i wanted to get out and really look at the breadth of humanity across the country
0: now you started writing this book just a few years ago did it take that long i'm I'm guessing 25 30 years to to write it no (laughs)
1: um i i uh When I came back, even when I was uh, 20 years old, I knew someday I will write a story about this. Uh And somehow in my mind, I thought, I'll probably write this story when I'm in my early 50s. Why I thought that, I have no
0: idea. You're writing this as a 50-year-old man back on your 19-year-old adventures. How much does that voice interpret the story?
1: Uh, it it interprets I hate every word because it's impossible not to, and I think what it, those years and and the growth over those years helped me look back on those stories and and be more empathetic with the people, better understanding of how they got to where they were, and uh, as opposed to sort of that surface, I was with this person for a couple hours. I didn't really have the experience. In in one story, a gentleman lost his uh, 20-year-old son. When I was 20 years old, I understood, okay, that's bad. But when I had a 20-year-old son, when I look back at that story, I look at it with a a much different, and, and I'd have to say probably a deeper respect and understanding for that individual and what he went through.
0: My guest, if you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, is Steve Thiem. He's the author of Asphalt Asylum, The Dark Roads to Light. Can you read a a passage from that book for us? Sure, you bet, John.
1: This, uh, just to quickly set the scene, this was my uh, second morning waking up in Key West. The night before, I had been uh, recruited to uh, be a prostitute, which I did not do. But here I am uh, the next morning. (laughs) I'm... uh, I'm walking out uh, in the streets. Uh, I saw a young man about my age He was uh, leaning up against a uh, fire hydrant, and we started talking. I could tell this was transitioning into a situation where I'd become the outlet for a pent-up need to talk, like so many times on this trip. I had left hoping to learn more about people and about more people, so I took on my role as a confidant. I'd come to believe that the one contribution I'd been making was giving people the rare opportunity to open up and know that no matter what they said, there'd be no repercussions. Secrets told to a ghost are forever safe. At times, it even seemed like they were seeking absolution and viewed me as their indigent priest. Why are you here? I asked. Well, he said looking down and kicking at the ground. I'm from Oklahoma, and a guy back home started messing with me, messing with my head. And the a** not quit. He started screwing with me in front of other people, trying to act like some big f-. Then he started messing with my car. Shorty stopped kicking and stared at me. He shook his head like a principal scolding a student who had done something unbelievably stupid. So about a week ago, I knocked on his door. Shorty was talking to his frayed tennis shoes. And when he answered, I blasted him twice with my 357. After he hit the floor, I got him once more in the face. Shorty glanced at me and then looked up to the clouds while his words echoed in our heads. My chest thumped, but I didn't react. He began to fidget, and I suspected this was the first time he'd heard himself say those words. So I've been running. He moved to walk away. But before leaving, he said, it's been worth it, so far. Later that morning, I walked to the beach and sat under a palm. Not knowing where my mind would go, I ended up replaying my conversation with Shorty. We both knew we'd get caught. I pulled out my journal to scratch down some entries and realized we don't write our histories in pencil.
0: Steve Thiem, reading from Asphalt Asylum, The Dark Roads to Light. You met some... uh rough characters along the way some rough characters and some charitable characters right
1: right right and that was part of you know what i was looking for that scope of humanity uh-huh I had no idea how wide it would range but um yeah from a, a drunk mafia hitman holding a pistol to my head saying he would kill me with a smile on his face or not didn't matter to him to people who took me in and fed me and gave me haircuts and prayed for me and uh offered tremendous advice. So it was, it was a case of essentially charity carried me across the country.
0: There was one part in your book when you talked about uh, rules that you have for yourself. For example, I don't ask them if I, when I need to go to the bathroom or these kinds of things, you kind of, did you learn these kind of skills along the way? Did you read about hitchhiking before you went?
1: No, there was, I took no course in hitchhiking 101. (laughs) Um, As it progressed, I began to get a better and better feeling of, how to make the driver comfortable how to make myself comfortable the vast bulk of the time it was just two of us complete strangers sitting there with nothing to do really but talk and so uh, one of my rules was listen at first I always listened because it would help me gauge the mental stability of the person I was riding with because some of them were not that stable um and like you said I never asked people to pull over to go to the bathroom uh I was in their car and if I had to hold it, I'd hold it and eventually they'd have to go. So um, those types of things, even some nuances of how to stand on the side of the road to to increase the likelihood of someone uh, stopping, you know, so it didn't look like, hi, I'm an axe murderer, pick me up. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so there there certainly were some some very practical lessons as I uh, progressed on the trip.
0: Well, you also have uh, social skills and being able to communicate with somebody by talking the way they speak. Uh, you mentioned that as being a chameleon, which also was a I think a helpful survival technique, but it also fed into this identity crisis that you were having.
1: Right, right. As I went into the south, I st- I. Uh, acquired a southern accent and apparently it was fairly good people actually thought I was from the south however uh at that point you know I was several thousand miles into the trip I if somebody was happy typically I would reflect that happiness if they were distressed I would reflect that distress and so um I became literally a, a chameleon five, six, seven, eight times a day, I would change who I was depending on who I was with. And uh, as I say in the book, eventually uh, the chameleon ate my personality. Uh, I really did not know who I was. And uh, in St. Augustine, Florida, experienced what uh, psychiatrists call disassociative fugue, where I uh, looked in a mirror and I had absolutely no idea who I was looking at total stranger one of the oddest feelings i've had in my life
0: yeah throughout the book you, you, there's this angst of is this a crazy thing to do is this a wise thing to do who am i a lot of uh, introspection uh,
1: probably too much navel gazing as i began the trip um yeah it was i a spoiled child taking my ball and saying i'm leaving was i a hero going to do something to to make myself better um, and potentially maybe some others better. And it, that really stayed with me for quite a while until the trip was almost over. And uh, you'll have to read the book to get the full story. But what I realized eventually is the answer to those questions don't really matter. you know. Um, and once I got that insight, uh, my life got a lot easier. I accepted, it's just, It is what it is. I don't have to label it, and uh, and also at that point, I I think that I had, to some degree, answered the question that I wasn't some coward running away, but that uh, by and large, I had really accomplished what I had hoped to.
0: Well, it's—I mean—the journey is is mythic. (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's Ulysses, right? It's what uh, initiation, separation, return. I mean, it's the hero's quest and the hero's journey. You go back and find out uh, who the person is in the mirror
1: right absolutely and and uh it wasn't really i didn't walk into the project with that intent that the mm-hmm. the, the hero's journey although i was going to use the word odyssey in the title um yeah
0: tell me about the title the title is uh, asphalt asylum the dark roads to light
1: right uh some folks have asked well uh uh, they like the title, Asphalt Asylum. They say, well, did it come? Did the muse hit you? Actually, I wrote 421 titles. And this is the one I liked. Um, I'm still not crazy about the the subtitle, The Dark Rose to Light, but we had to have something there. And and another point that as I was writing the title, really what it means to me is a bit different to what it means to most people. Asylum is where the mentally unstable go. Mm-hmm. Asylum is also a refuge and a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. When I wrote... The, title it was a refuge and a sanctuary understanding that most folks would take it the other way and that's fine because it does apply to the trip um in fact it was going to be asphalt uh sanctuary but uh it didn't have the ring of asphalt asylum
0: but somehow that feeling of being on the asphalt hitchhiking had uh had both a, a safe place and a risk place
1: is that right oh absolutely i could go out and a lot of the time I was alone, mm-hmm. um, certain both physically and even in crowds emotionally, but I could really go out, especially when I was physically alone, um, and just be myself, mm-hmm. and that was safe. Uh, at times, of course, it was incredibly dangerous as well, uh, and I didn't have a lot of control over that. Um, so it, it, it vacillated wildly with no plan from being safe and fed, to uh, you know, being in a car with a bunch of drug dealers who can barely keep their eyes open and they almost hit a woman with a baby stroller. Um, yeah. Safe and certainly dangerous elements.
0: The um, theme throughout too is, is dealing uh, with the emotional and physical abuse in your, in your family. And, and you write about that quite openly. So there's a sense in which perhaps the, uh, the asylum as a, as a place, of safety, is, uh, was, was that for you as well? Very much so. Absolutely very much so. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that, the uh, the environment of uh, the physical and emotional abuse that you had uh, growing up and what this trip meant in regards to that?
1: Right, right. It was... Uh, uh, my family, things were a little... Normally, the father's the alcoholic. In my case, the mother was the alcoholic. Um, and there was both physical and emotional abuse uh, from my father quite a bit. Uh, and as I went into the project knowing this was going to be part of the story because it was part of the, the motivation that drove the whole, you know, why I left. Um, two things. One was how much do I want to say about my family? And I was simply told the truth. The other one was, is this going to be cathartic? Is it going to help me work through some of these things? Now it's obviously been a while. Um, yes, it was somewhat cathartic. That was not the purpose of it though. And, uh, I still look at myself sometimes today and and see the impact uh, of my childhood and my behavior. Um, And and, and I've read about, you know, how abused children, the the types of traits they have as adults, Um, and it was quite surprising I was a textbook case to some degree.
0: You can find the website for Steve Theme's uh, book, Asphalt Asylum, The Dark Roads to Light, at stevethiem.com. And there you'll talk about Halyard Press, an independent press created to publish and promote books that help people explore their spiritual lives. And, of course, that's you. And that is about your book in one way, about a, as about your own spiritual quest.
1: Absolutely, the and that was the unintentional part. Absolutely unintentional. I left. I was a devout atheist. Um, I, I think uh, legitimately say I hated religion. A devout
0: atheist. I was a
1: devout atheist. Yes. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right. I prayed to the god of science, and All right. and um, it, it, again, completely unexpected. As I went through these experiences, it became. Somewhat clear to me, uh, maybe I was being watched over, maybe uh, God was speaking through other people, and the the seven thousand miles really almost pales in comparison to the spiritual growth. I, I went from hmm. it's a journey from being an atheist to someone willing to consider agnosticism, and that might sound like a small step. It is a huge one, and uh, by the time it ended, I firmly believed there was more to this world than science could explain. So now,
0: you're now looking, of course, at your trip 30 years afterward.
1: Correct, I had to actively try not to put my current views and ascribe them to me as a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. Because the way the book ends, as someone willing to consider agnosticism, well, that journey has progressed. And okay. and um, I am certainly, I, I firmly am in the camp that there is a higher power and it loves us. Um, and, and I have, I've been going to church regularly for probably 15 years, not to, for the community of people, the seekers folks trying to better their lives, help others, and, uh, you know, follow the teachings of Jesus. But there's many good teachings. And and I belong to the United Church of Christ uh, on the extreme left side of the Christian spectrum, if you will. Um, and uh, it's it's we're not biblical literalists, but the teachings are still very important Um and, you know, guide a lot of our mission work.
0: Well, it seems that the spirituality, as you discovered in your book and the stories you told, are about uh, kind of connection, connection with the universe, connection with all kinds of other people, uh, regardless of race, social condition, and all of that kind of thing, as, as well as uh, a sense of tapping in, in, into love um, and, and to uh, good deeds. I mean, being well, not, not about beliefs and so much. Right, so was, right, I absolutely I don't mean to speak for you, but that's no, no. what I gathered from. Reading. Oh yeah,
1: no, absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head. Um a lot of the physical things that happen um, transcended into a more a spiritual understanding or that nudge, that each little nudge toward a more spiritual toward a more spiritual willingness. Um,
0: uh, yes. <laughs> great so uh I, I love the phrase I didn't squander my youth on responsibility did you feel that this was an irresponsible act to go hitchhiking
1: no at uh the time I knew I would only be this young once and uh and I and I had I wanted to change so uh it it uh, and I took subsequent trips, you could say they were equally as irresponsible after this. Uh, But I really am glad that I did these things. uh, Before I started to settle down, I mean, I have a family and three children. I love that. But I don't ever look back and say, gosh, I wish I would have done
0: something uh, different with my my teens and say early 20s. So if we ever get to the point where uh, one of your children says, hey, I think I want to hitchhike across the country, dad, just like you. What's the advice? You know, when
1: I first, uh, for the first uh, version of the book, the very first line was, no one should ever hitchhike unless it's an emergency. (laughs) So unless they're in an emergency, that's what I would tell them. I love that line. It's not in the book anymore. It didn't apply. But but I, I think after they've read this, their desire to hitchhike across the country would probably not be that high. You know,
0: it, it, you think it's great romantic adventure. Uh, you, you think it's a great romantic adventure, but actually you spent many days without food. Uh, you were in jail. Um, you uh, were, uh, you know, very in, in pretty dangerous situations. Uh, no money, no place to live. I mean, it wasn't all romance and joy. No, it was not
1: all romance and joy. At one point, I... Uh, I had nowhere to live, I had no uh, food, I had no money, and the only clothes, I didn't even have shoes, all I had was a t-shirt and a pair of cutoffs, and um, at that point I sort of looked at myself, and and I had no friends, my closest friends were 3,000 miles away, Um, I looked at myself and said, okay, I am naked in the world, and I can begin now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did it also then give you kind of a sense of confidence? Man, you, you did this. I mean, and you were and you experienced this, and so maybe uh, my problems elsewhere aren't quite as bad.
1: Right, right. It, it actually did give me a sense of confidence. I was, uh, whether rightly or wrongly, convinced I could get through just about anything. Um, As it turns out, I did. But but yeah, it did increase my confidence, especially uh, when dealing with other people, especially other people who are not like me. Um, I don't have to be fearful and judgmental. Uh, they have a whole life just like I have a whole life. And and that's that was one of the very clear lessons uh, on this journey.
0: Yeah, that was one of the questions I also wanted to ask you. What are some of the things that you learned that you found out about yourself and humanity?
1: Right, about humanity, the vast, vast bulk of people are good and charitable. We don't hear about those people in the media very much, but that's the 98% of us. Um, so i learned that and in a very visceral way it, it there i mean there was no theory to it whatsoever i learned that lesson um i learned to trust my gut a little bit more when dealing with people i i learned to uh be less judgmental like i mentioned and i learned to listen i really uh i mean i'm talking a lot now i'm not a real big talker uh you you can't think and and really absorb the people that you're with when you're talking Mm -hmm. um and so that was a lesson as well and i've learned to uh, at times just simply listen i don't have to uh regale people with my insightful opinions
0: well that was that came out in the book a number of times with the uh rides that you would get and why do people pick up hitchhikers? What well, might be one question. And and one of those is sometimes uh the, they need somebody to talk to or they need somebody to keep them awake or or a variety of reasons. But yeah, you did you did find yourself uh, in many cases being a confidant for others.
1: Oh, it was it really and we were talking about this just the other day. Today in the world of Facebook and Twitter and texting, some of the things that went on, somebody would Put them on Facebook, or, or we'd be Facebook friends, or something like that. Mm-hmm. A different environment. When you sat with someone, just the two of you, that's where it stayed. It went no farther, and uh, and that environment really lent and lent itself to people opening up. Uh, and that's why, in fact, the passage I just read. I was like a ghost. I mean, I I mm-hmm. was I'd show up and then I'd disappear, and um, people were able to. Unburden themselves of many things in that situation, knowing it would go no farther, and they'd never see me again.
0: And in the midst of of what you're doing, you're, you're kind of feeling you're losing your mind a little bit, and yet at the same time, you and you did go to jail, uh, but nonetheless, you didn't you know inject yourself uh, with drugs when that option was there. So there were some choices that you still had somewhat of a level head throughout the whole thing.
1: You know, I did have somewhat of a level head throughout the thing. And although I won't say exactly what I went for jail for, it wasn't too terrible. Uh-huh. Um, but I was put in, they kind of forgot about me for a while. Um, I, I, I have a, I didn't lose myself. I have a reasonably, uh, I like to think, a reasonably good judgment. You know, in, in high school, I was scholar athlete of the year. And so I could make some good decisions. Um, and I made some bad decisions, you know, we all do that. Uh, but I, I was glad I, I maintained again, myself. I didn't entirely abandon myself to every situation that arose.
0: You decided to come back. Tell me about that decision. What, what, and it was really spur of the moment. You didn't have any money, uh, but you decided to go hitchhike back from Key West to Seattle.
1: Right. It was primarily the desire to be with people. Well, that I had a, a lasting relationship with. And what I one of the main lessons I learned, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Oh, boy. Spending two months never knowing a single person the entire time, yet being in crowds and things like that, uh, really drove home, you know. People are important for us to stay healthy uh, mentally and in all ways. And man, I started missing them badly. I mean, I went for days without eating. It was just at this point, I had a destination and I can push pretty hard when I have a destination. Uh, But that lesson of, again, that visceral lesson of how important people are in our lives uh, really hit home.
0: Well written, uh, well done, a great adventure. Steve Theme, Asphalt Asylum is the book, The Dark Roads to Light. Steve, thanks for the book and thanks for uh, being with me today. It was just wonderful, thanks. You've been listening to Progressive Spirit. The website is progressivespirit.net. Progressive Spirit is a weekly half-hour program free to stations via the Pacifica Radio Network and worldwide via your favorite podcast app. Progressive Spirit is produced at KBOO Portland. Be well.